1: hey what is up everybody welcome inside the guilty as Charge podcast my name is steven i am your host as always here to uh wrap up our pre-game chargers Titans coverage today with my guys tyler alex and arjun as well who's gonna be joining us uh gonna be sharing his screen in a little bit here uh you know doing some of his analytics portion today on a saturday so arjun we'll start with you man how are you doing this morning welcome back to california
2: yeah no i know being back in california has, has been great um and you know obviously the weather's the best part but only been back one day uh but excited to you know be spending some time with family and obviously you know pretty big game this weekend so hopefully the chargers you know are able to pull it out
1: yeah definitely a, a huge game obviously excited to get your thoughts here on the from the data perspective and then you know we'll wrap up our portion as well uh Tyler is here as well. Uh, Tyler, what's up, man? How's the move going?
3: Move's going great. Uh, we got a Christmas tree, so there's that. You know, I just so... feel like it really brings the uh, the place together. Uh, but I'm a little disappointed because Arjun has a Michigan shirt on today, and I can't even say anything negative about that, unfortunately. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, definitely not. Um, Alex is here as well. Alex with a great reference today from an all-time elite comedy scene uh if you know you know alex what's up man how are you doing this morning
4: doing good royal blue week uh so i'm excited for that and uh yeah let's get this win and move the record in royal blue to i believe six and one
1: yeah the the Chargers record with the royal blue as an alternate is significantly better than the navy blue as an alternate uh you know excited to see what that looks like uh I, I do like, I understand why they made the change for powder blue last week, but I do wish that they would have let, uh, you know, let that powder blue or let that Royal blue shine in primetime uh, prime time would have been fun. Um, all right. So like I said, we're, we're here to, uh, obviously wrap up our, uh, chargers and Titans coverage. Um, you know, Arjun's going to do a little bit of his, uh, analytics portion as well. And then we'll do our weekly picks, take some questions, all that good stuff. So, um, Tyler, I want to start with you, obviously, cause you watched the film, you know, grinding the film late at late night, uh, you know, last night. So I wanted to get your thoughts just kind of, uh, you know, wrapping up the dolphins week and kind of your, your takeaways from watching the film last night.
3: I believe the offense is ready for something better. I don't even know if they'll score more than 30 against the Titans and hopefully they do, but I feel like they're very close to getting something consistent. You could just see that Justin Herbert, I mean, it's all going to be off of Justin Herbert, but I feel like they're going to now get the blockers. Like everything's going to be together. And I think all the pieces are finally, for the most part, back in place for this offense to really get going and to really be better in the red zone. And honestly, looking at the red zone opportunities that they 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 blew, I thought DeAndre Carter should have had a touchdown. Corey Lindsley doesn't have that illegal snap. They have another touchdown. You know, they're driving, they're driving to end the game. Not that it's entirely his fault, but Herbert does fumble that snap. And, of course, that kills another red zone drive. So that is kind of the story of the season. You know, There's always some reason the Chargers aren't scoring. This person drops a ball. This person doesn't block. There's a penalty. So I guess maybe that's same old, same old. But I feel like they're close to being a better team. And, frankly, that will start with Foster Serral being off the field because it is very, very difficult to watch him play football right now. And I understand that he's in like an impossible situation where he's had to play some very good players. I mean, he started against Nick Bosa. That sucks. You know, you play against, I believe, yeah, yeah, he was playing against Max Crosby. Obviously, that didn't go very well. But they need something a bit more consistent. Even if you're not a great pass protector, we were talking before the show about this, even if Storm Norton's out there, you maybe you don't get a great pass protector, and we've established that he isn't overall. Right. But you at least get something in the run game, like you said, Steven. Or... Heck, you even get maybe a game where he only gives up two pressures. Um, Again, we've seen awful Storm Norton this past season. We've seen him awful, awful Storm Norton this season. But getting Trey Pipkins back, anything but Sarah at this point, I think is just going to help them. Like Parham and Sarah, or Parham and Pipkins being back, just feels like another five to seven points you can add to your offense just because you can do a bit more. You can be a bit more consistent. So... Herbert's playing well, the weapons are back, and I feel like now that the,
1: the blockers are back, I think the offense is going to take a nice step forward. Arjun, are you kind of feeling the same way about the offense this week?
2: Yeah, no, I completely agree with what Tyler said. And, um, you know, one of the things I was thinking about leading up to this game and, like, revisiting last week was, like, last week was about execution. It was about the coverage guys executing their assignments, you know, being able to pass off, sw- like, stacked Uh, receiver sets and all that like Michael Davis and Asante doing well Herbert executing and being a god on third and fourth down but this game because the Titans don't do anything analytically like directionally correct because they don't really do anything great at all on offense this game to me is and you'll never hear me say this about any other game is about like grit and it's about like winning (laughs) like the physicality matchup in the trenches which that's something I don't know if the Chargers can do like they've never really shown the potency to be like this tough resilient team like you hear like the athletic and um the ringer like call them soft in the trenches like soft everywhere on defense because they miss tackles so you know i i do think the chargers have the advantage in the game especially with all the injuries for the titans but i don't I, I don't know what what Chargers we're gonna get because like last week you hear like you see Braden Fogo tweet at Acho right after the game like you could tell they it meant something to them right but like does it mean something yeah. to them this game like or are they going to come out flat like versus the Texans last week right so or last year so mm-hmm. a lot of narratives coming in or not a lot of narratives coming into this game and I'm curious to see how if the Chargers can put together two good weeks something we haven't really seen this season
1: Alex your thoughts there
4: Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of this just comes down to getting better in the red zone uh, for me. Uh, when it comes to the red zone, it felt, just felt like the Chargers were moving the ball really well for about 60 to 80 yards. Difficult. was difficult for me on that drive, uh, on that drive, where you have Mike Williams uh, or and then comes back in and they don't even use him for the last three goal-to-goal drives. Uh, Just felt really tough to watch. Yeah, I think I was trying to pick up what you were saying there. We lost you for a bit. Oh, there
3: goes Alex officially. I I do think that Mike Williams will be back in full. I believe his snap counts were, what, 60% against the Dolphins, something like that. So not that he has to play a whole 100% either, but jumping up another 20-something percent this week. I think you start to see him used in the red zone more or if it's just so difficult for them to score in the red zone, just score from outside the red zone. I think that, (laughs) like not that that's super easy, but, you know, maybe when the defense, maybe it's difficult for them when the defense is all scrunched together and they just can't make it work with the line that they have. They find a way to score outside of the red zone. Then, hey, you know, I'll take it.
1: Yeah. uh, You know, in terms of the red zone, Daniel Popper pointed this out and and I tweeted part of it. Um, the chargers have reached the red zone with this at the second highest level in the league in in terms of a volume statistic. They, they only trail the Kansas city chiefs in terms of getting into the red zone and and how often they do it. The problem is that they're 27th in the league in touchdown percentage, and they're tied for the league in field goals in the red zone. So, you know, it's a few things. And Popper mentioned a few of them in his article. He did a great job as he always does in his Friday notebook. Um, you know one of the things for me is just that they the penalties always happen in the red zone like they they mostly run a very clean operation you know from a a snap to quarterback uh sense and then they get into the red zone and yeah you know, that illegal snap penalty still doesn't make any sense to me i mean cory lindsey does that like three no times idea. a game um but you know we've seen you know these false starts pop up and you know last year it was the you know illegal motions <laughs> that were like the the big thing to start the year we haven't really seen that as much this year but you know, it's a false start here. It's a holding there. Uh, You know, it's a block in the back from somebody, you know, Matt Feiler had his block in the back, I believe at like the 30 yard line. So there's always these penalties that come when they're right into the red zone or or approaching the red zone. And that's absolutely something that needs to be cleaned up. So that's one thing that I think needs to change. The second thing is like, we've talked about this this week, and, and I've talked about it throughout the whole season. Like, the red zone should be prime Joshua Kelly territory, like going forward. And I think Austin Eckler does a fantastic job, obviously getting into the end zone, but Mm -hmm. you know, I think Joshua Kelly just gives them a different kind of presence there that Eckler cannot do. And especially this week where, you know, Argent's talking about matching physicality. Like I think that's more Joshua Kelly's game, you know, going forward. And um, I I think that is something that can help. Obviously the return of Pipkins, Donald Parham certainly helps as well, but, um you know the, the struggles in the red zone when you watch the Chargers are not necessarily surprised because they're not committed to the run game and they don't throw the ball into the end zone like maybe that changes with Mike Williams and Donald Parham healthy but you know when you're throwing flat routes to DeAndre Carter and Keenan Allen and screens to Austin Eckler like of course you're not going to be a good red zone offense that's just not how the smart teams are operating so there are some things that they need to change you know from a fundamental level obviously in terms of execution, but. Lombardi also needs to call better plays and and get the ball going into the end zone more often. So there's a lot of issues here and hopefully they can clean it up with, you know, a month left in the season.
3: Yeah, and they haven't even been a great screen team. Like if you want to call a screen or a tunnel yeah. screen or whatever, like that's fine, but they haven't been a great screen team in the red zone. Um they did have a good screen against the, the Dolphins, but because everyone was standing at the goal line and they got, you yeah. know, 19 of the required 20 yards, but <laughs> even watch keenan allen uh, on that on the tunnel screen or whatever it was and both josh palmer and mike williams just don't block their guys and like they go I like granted the defense is paid you know to go make those plays as well but it's like palmer and williams didn't know that that was being called i don't know if there was some sort of audible from herbert or whatever but palmer and williams were happy to go run routes practically past their guys like maybe yeah. they slightly get in the way um, and that was a bit confusing to me. So I don't really know what's going on. It's definitely a coaching or teaching issue right now, but hopefully, like you said, like they throw it into the end zone. And now I, I do think they have the guys to do that. But if they don't get it done, you know, coming mo- moving forward, I mean, you're not going to be a good team in the postseason. So you know, Staley talked about you know getting it into the end zone, talked about getting Herbert on the move more, committing to the run game. And I think that if that's kind of how he's feeling, we're probably going to start seeing that this week.
2: Yeah. Um, I, I do have a question for at least like Steven, since like you've called plays at like an, a level before, um, you know, is, is screens is our screens are like a, a way to counter blitzes, like, especially like blitzes that come hard up the middle, like the dolphins like to do.
1: Yeah. So I, I think doing screens is a smart way to approach, uh, you know, the, the blitz problem that the chargers are facing. It's just that that's like their only solution, right? Like, yeah anytime that Herbert, there's a cover zero look it's like okay we're gonna check to a screen it's like okay sometimes that works great you know they did that against the cardinals and then obviously got them into uh you know striking range um but you know it's just there there are other ways to counteract pressure than just running screenplays mm-hmm. all the time to austin eckler
2: yeah yeah okay I, I don't want anyone to think i was like defending the play calling i was just curious like if.
1: yeah yeah if, <laughs> On- if that was a counter at a fundamental level, you're you're probably not trying to call screens as often as the Chargers do. Um, mm-hmm. you know, ideally you wanna it's a change up uh pitch. It's not supposed to be the only counter to pressure. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, run it two or three times a game, sure. Chargers are running it like eight times a game at this point, and half the time they're not even getting like a clean release, and it's either a tackle for loss or Justin Herbert just has to ground it. So that's another issue there, but um, you know, it's just been, it's, it's frustrating to watch that be the one counter that they're comfortable with when you can, like at this point, I would just rather run fade routes to Mike Williams or Keenan Allen. Like it just is, you know, at least it's going to the end zone.
3: We could throw fades to Michael Bandy. you have done that like three times, I think this year. So, (laughs) you know, give it a shot. It's going to work one of these days.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, all right, well, we'll see what, uh, since I think Alex is, uh, resetting his router right now. So hopefully we can get him back in here soon, but Just wrapping up the injury perspective here. Obviously, we we talked about Donald Parham and and, uh, Trey Pipkins likely coming back. Um, Sebastian Joseph Day was a limited participant all week in practice. So um, Trey Pipkins and um, Trey Pipkins and Donald Parham were full participants, at least on Friday. Sounds like Donald Parham was a full participant all week. Um, Sebastian Joseph Day is a bit more of a true game time decision this week. Obviously, his presence would be. Uh, huge coming back this week against Donald, uh, against Derrick Henry. So we'll see what happens there. Obviously we're a few hours away from the chargers having to elevate anybody. Mm -hmm. Um, and then obviously the, the big one is Derwin James still, uh, not practicing this week. Uh, there was that tweet about him having a torn quad and, you know, there's some technicalities there in terms of like, you know, a strain is technically like a minor tear. That could certainly be what the reporter was mentioning. Uh, I was reassured by two different people, one in the building, one outside of the building, that Derwin's quad injury is not considered serious. Um, You know, he he was looked at essentially as a game time decision heading into this week. Um, And then obviously the Chargers decided to be cautious. So sounds like they expect him to be back at practice next week and uh, hopefully playing against the uh, Indianapolis Colts on Monday Night Football.
3: Yeah, that sounds good. I I don't I didn't have anyone clear that it didn't happen but i had someone say that they didn't they had not heard of that yet so and i think they would be particularly relevant i don't want to give it away but yeah i think i don't think it's as big of an issue as a terror although i do wish the reporter had said something to follow it up rather than just delete that one and people keep asking him and he just keeps posting so um you know no shade you know he probably got some bad info but it would be nice to have some clarification there
1: Yeah, so obviously uh would expect a lot of Lohi Gilman this week. I thought he's, you know, you know, he's been really solid for this team. Um, obviously playing Derrick Henry in open space is a bit of a different beast than what he's been dealing with. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I do expect him to play well. It's really the other safety I'm more concerned about uh, in this matchup uh, against Derrick Henry. But um, <laughs> it's sad, but the truth at this point. Um, and then they will get Bryce Callahan back as well. So he practiced in full on Friday. Uh, so he'll be back in his uh, usual role as well. And uh, I thought it was funny, like, the narratives around this week, right? Like, everybody was talking about, like, oh, like, Bryce Callahan can, can be a backup now. Like, Jossie Taylor's, he's he's, he's a capable starter. And it's like, Aww. I like how Brandon he was like, yeah, Bryce Callahan's one of the best players at his position in the league. <laughs> We're not resting him. And I was like, all right, thank you for Fair that. enough. Yeah.
3: Uh, what was the other one? Oh yeah maybe we should uh move on from derwin james because the defense played better and i'm like please don't <laughs> <laughs> and that was frequent that was not like a one yeah. person said that that was a frequent thing and i understand being concerned about injury
1: history and that was you know part of the thing coming into his contract but like guys <laughs> it's pretty obvious like why the defense performed better this week and it was just that they simplified the game plan to like the extreme measure. And that's what you have to do with young players. And I think that is something of a, an advantage for like Gus Bradley, when he deals with injuries and things like that, everybody knows what they have to do on a game to game basis. There's no like <laughs> adjustments that are being made. Obviously you can counteract that by saying that's kind of also a, a, a disadvantage, you know, but um, mm-hmm. when you have these younger players in the game and you just simplify things, it, it makes it easier to call the game. It makes it easier to execute the game um you know so it's kind of a double-edged sword with Derwin because you're trying to move him around so often but at the same time like you know it puts the other players that he's playing with in kind of a, a tougher position so I understand asking a question of like why was it better last week but talking about moving on from the best mm-hmm. player on defense is uh that's a strange one yeah okay,
2: that's
1: I'm why trying to I find think, the
3: like, snap counts I'm oh, sorry
2: yeah sorry oh, I it. was like I was saying like Gus Bradley's floor is always going to be higher than Brandon Staley's, but I don't think you'll ever see Gus Bradley call a game as well as Brandon Staley did, or at least like I would personally say because of how diverse Brandon Staley's scheme is, his ceiling will most likely always be higher than Gus Bradley's, but, um, yeah, his Staley's floor is definitely lower given how complex his scheme is and the diverse coverages he likes to call.
3: So JT would,
1: sorry, he did not get a snap this past week no hmm so they uh they only went into six dbs i think it was like four times and i think uh raheem lane essentially was playing in the box like so that Mm -hmm. that was like his portion of derwin's role that he took on and uh you know they just kept nas and and uh alohi kind of back in the in the deep parts of the field more often yeah interesting so he's got
3: one more standard elevation and then I'm curious what they do because if you have if Lane happens to pick up a few more snaps granted I guess if Derwin comes back it's moot point but I mean you can't cut JT Woods but if also you're not playing him like I'm just curious if they sign Lane to the roster or let him go I'm really curious what happens because they I think every person that's had the full amount of standard elevations they've signed to the roster right it was Jason Moore Richard Rogers Braden Fahok no,
1: Raid Vogue was just signed. Um, Foster Sirel. Foster Sirel, yeah. <laughs> so
4: they,
1: they signed they signed Kimon Hall to the active roster without activating him. I think they only activated okay. him once. Um, that could be somebody that they cut in place of mm. Lane. Okay. Or two. Actually, yeah, that, would, that would make sense. Okay. Yeah, I was
3: trying to figure out who what they would do. Because, they did, again, if you're not paying J, playing JT Woods, I, mean, I guess you'd have to. I don't know.
1: Yeah, no, I think they've pretty they, – they've clearly kind of, like, separated the roles. I mean, they clearly want JT playing deep, and that's it. And Lane wants – you know, they want to play Lane in the box a little bit more, so that's why he was kind of, you know, giving the snaps this week over uh, JT. So, um, all right, from a Titans perspective, I think this is the first time all season where the Chargers are actually the healthier team heading into this matchup. Uh, the Tennessee Titans are going to be playing without seven starters on defense. Uh, this week including Danico Autry including Christian Fulton who are two of their three best players um, Amani Hooker as well as a quality player so they they will get um, Jeffrey Simmons back which is gonna be a really tough matchup this week for the Chargers into your offensive line he's a fantastic player Uh, in my opinion the second best defensive tackle in the league right now Um, and then Traylon Burks also out so um, the Tennessee Titans, uh, not a prolific passing attack and their biggest deep threat in Traylon Burks is going to be out this week. So, um, I mean, we talked about Derrick Henry being the focus, and I think that is just kind of amplified with, uh, Traylon Burks not playing this week.
3: Yeah. I instinctually looked at the, or I instinctively looked at the depth, the injury report, And I looked at the roster with the huge list of injuries because (laughs) I just thought initially that that was the Chargers. So seeing a team that's a bit more banged up, granted the Chargers, the Chargers are probably still more banged up because they're just all the guys were on IR, not on the injury report. Sure, But it it is nice to see, sorry Titans, but it is nice to see that the Chargers might be favored because of, you know, some injuries uh, for the Titans and some big ones. Simmons coming back is definitely tough. I mean, I just tweeted that I thought Zion played a good game against the Dolphins. Um, but there were definitely some missteps from you know him and Lindsley and definitely Cyrillic like, and someone like Christian Wilkins. So uh, Jeffrey Simmons could definitely have a good game. We've definitely seen him do that against the Chargers and force you know a fumble at the goal line from a certain player that we will not name, stuff like that. So hopefully he doesn't have such a great game this week. But the Titans just aren't a great team in any particular phase right now, I don't think. And for them to also not be a great team and then also not have some of these guys coming back or being available for them. That's huge. I, I think even Dontrell Hilliard is out, right? He's the running back. There's more of a receiving option for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was on my yes, fantasy that team that at one correct. point, so yeah. I should know this. Yeah. yeah so just just even just not having a potential receiving threat out there. Now, again, we've seen Rex Burkhead go off against the Chargers. <laughs> I could see, you know, Hassan Haskins having a decent game because he runs hard, went to some school but you know, overall, I do think the yeah. Chargers like Double it's nice. To see <laughs> uh, it's nice to see the Chargers
1: on the positive side of things, I guess. Arjun, did you know that Hassan Haskins is their main kick returner?
2: Yeah, I mean, like I said, they don't. I don't know what they don't do anything analytically directionally correct. So putting a <laughs> four-six four, guy as their kick returner makes no sense. But that's also probably why their special teams isn't that good. Do uh, they get past least-
3: the twenty? out of curiosity because that would be an upgrade (laughs) for us maybe we should try our four six players well i think Um, our thing is more of a
1: blocking thing and less (laughs) of a speed average thing yeah 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 oh man that's hilarious but um all right so that that's going to do it in terms of injuries uh audio diff nfts uh asking about the likelihood of uh, sebastian joseph day playing tomorrow I lean yes, but I I also wouldn't be surprised if they they would be uh, cautious with him in a similar vein like they're doing with Derwin James.
3: Yeah, I I lean yes, but snap count. So kind of the intermediate.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
1: All right. Uh, Arjun, you want to pull up your uh, analytics portion yeah. here? We'll do, we'll run through a lot of it quickly, obviously, uh, you know, doing it here on a Saturday. Um, but if you want to get it ready, we'll uh, share it up on the screen. And we'll uh, get it rolling. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I
2: picked and choose some of the stuff I wanted to share. So let me know when it's on the screen. And
3: I can get it started. is on the screen.
2: Okay. So, um, this is something that I looked at yesterday, which I thought was super interesting. So this is a pause team is the possession team. So this is looking at the Titans and how their offense fares based on the number of the defenders in the box. So I looked at the, mm. the five main box counts, four, five, six, seven, eight. So this first column or this column right here, the third column is the overall EPA per play. So uh, basically a measure of offensive efficiency. This, this column right next to it is their EPA per rush. And the next column is their EPA per pass. So measuring rushing efficiency, passing efficiency, and then overall efficiency. So you can see their offense does very well when teams absolutely load the box versus them in with seven and hmm. eight guys that is their two best um, performing um, like offensive plays against defenders in the box. Um, and we're, so you can see here when teams put seven defenders in the box, they've passed it 85 times and they average 0.459 EPA per pass. And to put that in perspective, hmm. that would be the best passing offense in the NFL. Hmm. Coincidentally, one of their worst rushing you know attacks is versus seven men in the box so it is the opportunity cost that you add that extra safety in the box and play single high you're going to be able to stop derrick henry but this is where ryan Tannehill thrives where he likes to run play action and it is a it is very very effective as you can see they they're the best passing offense in the nfl versus seven men in the box so when we talk about how to slow down derrick henry like obviously, you want to be able to play heavier boxes, but there, there's also the trade-off of the titans are able to beat you over top. Now they're not going to have trailing Burks in this game. Their pass protection sucks without you know, Taylor Lewan, <laughs> and they're starting Ohio State like Nicholas Petit Friere at right tackle. Like they can't pass protect, but again some some of the things we've talked about is like you know you don't have to really establish the run to run play action but the titans are again uh, on a completely different stratosphere because of how much they run the ball so i'm curious to hear like what you guys think like your big takeaways from this table because i thought like it was a really fun like opportunity cost question and if there's any econ people in this chat i think they'd find it interesting as well
3: well i'm not an econ person um yeah i mean obviously the goal is to stop derrick henry but that 0. 0.459 epa per power play for the pass is pretty impressive but you're also only getting that you know just looking at the numbers 85 times across what 14 games to the titans i don't know i assume they've already yeah. had their bye week so you're getting what six pass plays a game you know out of that look which i mean can be costly for sure we've seen the chargers lose games because of three big pass plays or something like against the raiders but it's not Devontae Adams out there by any means so I, I do think that there's enough risk or reward there to the risk and if Bryce Callahan is coming back this week and really with the way that the the defense has played I think you you try to bait them into that 0.459 but then again like you said they're not analytically driven by any means not that I know that firsthand by any means but you know if you mm-hmm. say that I, I believe you so I think you kind of try to bait them into that and at most you're going to get if they keep pace and I don't know how this has changed week to week but you know five six passing plays out of them i think you trust the way your dbs are playing right now or at least most of them um to hold up in those situations
1: yeah i think the biggest curiosity there like and this is something that uh you know somebody mentioned you know what brayden Fahoko was talking about uh, with daniel popper in his article last night you know the cost and reward of of loading the box versus the titans you know and how they how their approach is to always try and isolate Derrick Henry one-on-one in space. You know, a lot of people kind of picture the Titans uh, as like this, you know, downhill ground and pound attack. And they certainly do that from time to time. But, um, you know, their, their goal is always to isolate Henry with uh, somebody one-on-one. And I think that has a tendency to happen at a higher level when there's eight men in the box, because then at that point, there's just more space for that matchup to happen. And then obviously that's when Derrick Henry can can pop the big runs. So it's a lot of give and take in this matchup, right? If if you have the two safeties that can absolutely tackle, I, I don't think you necessarily need to load the box at all. But the problem with the chargers here is that one of their tackles doesn't know how to tackle very well. So um, you know, if this were an Elohi Gilman and Derwin James game, I think you would feel a lot better about the Chargers' ability to uh, prevent those explosive runs from happening. But it is just going to be a lot of give and take from a schematic standpoint. Um, you know, for what Brandon Staley wants to do this week against Derrick Henry. So, um, looks like we do have Alex back. Alex, welcome back. Thank you. Um, all right, Arjun, you want to uh, continue here with your uh, presentation?
2: Yeah. Um, so going on. To or actually, let's stay on their offense real quick. Um, so, one of the things that I was looking at so they do pretty well throwing the ball over the middle. Like, that's been Tannehill's bread and butter, you know, running play action and all that stuff. They do very well throwing the ball left. Tannehill really struggles throwing the ball to the right, which I don't know if that's like a right handed quarterback thing, like it's a general thing. But um, yeah, I thought there were some like interesting insights from here. Like, obviously, they don't throw the ball much at all. But, when I do throw it right, he has seemed to struggle pretty much at all parts of the field, except the intermediate uh, intermediate part of the field where he's really made his money throughout the course of his career. Um so I don't know if, like there's a certain receiver that lines up on the right or anything, but mm-hmm. he, he's going to be throwing left and middle pretty efficiently.
3: I did not realize that EPA per play went over one. So <laughs> I did not know that. Yeah. One point three eight three over the deep middle is pretty impressive.
2: That's mostly Traylon Burks, I'm gonna guess, or Westbrook Kakine. Um for my priors, it's Traylon Burks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I see you, Tyler. <laughs> um staying, staying on the offense, last thing I wanted to talk about. Um, so you can see like they they're gonna run the ball pretty much every time they line up under center. They run the ball 22% more than expected out of single back, about 15.5% more out of I formation. Um, They don't really run pistol that much, but that's about 10%. When they go shotgun though, they become more of a balanced offense. Obviously I think they go shotgun more in late down situations when they want to get Tannehill a good read um, on the defense where he's not really lining up under the center. Um, But they're not, again, they're not efficient in any particular formation. Like their most efficient formation, they're averaging 0.016 EP per play, which again isn't that good. Like that would put them at a a below league average, um, you know, offense. So, yeah, I think you're you're obviously like you don't really need the analytics to tell you like the Titans want to run the piss out of the ball. But (laughs) when they do go into shotgun, it is going to be more of a balanced um, offense.
3: Okay. So you're saying that out of it's not like the Raiders where there's a, a strong tendency to run like under is one thing from shotguns another thing you think it's more balanced out of shotgun
2: yeah and so you, there's not really a tell I, or there there mm-hmm. could be tells if you like break everything down like deeper um you know I'll hope the I hope of the Chargers analytics team does that but uh yeah at least from a just broad perspective there isn't really a tell
1: between run and pass out of shotgun
3: okay cool um, wow eight wildcat plays it's seven more than the Chargers
1: yeah, they yeah. like to pass the ball to take Henry a little but,
3: bit, too.
2: But oh the Chargers, when they run Wildcat, look at that. Let's go! <laughs> <laughs> well efficiency. done. Crazy. The one play. Pass rate yeah. over negative 30. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> Beautiful. Um, I, I did want to talk about the Titans defense, because obviously, like, that's their biggest strength, right? So this is a table I made the other day. This is, like, if you follow Marcus Mosher on Twitter, he makes the same table, but for... Uh, offenses and his is way prettier, but this is basically looking at most big plays allowed. So, defining big plays is uh, uh, rushing plays of 10 plus yards, which is this first column, and then passing plays of 20 plus yards. So, you can see the tight ends. All right, I should zoom in, I guess, but it's like you right where my in. cursor is. They're right in the middle in terms of overall big plays. They're extremely good at stopping the run and are not allowing running big plays. That's what we can see. They're running boxes green. They suck versus the pass. They've allowed the, they're tied for the third most big plays through the air allowed Mm -hmm. um so you know again steven i i'm sorry but for the Chargers to win this game i don't really want to see them try to establish the run against a pretty good rushing defense
3: (laughs) well so the chart sorry i'm looking at the chargers so they're just they're just a balanced (laughs) defense balancedly bad defense (laughs) okay so what is that one two three four five six seven eight is that ninth or tenth or i guess tied for eighth or something yeah yeah
2: Something like that. But yeah, Titans really struggle to stop the ball through the air. And that, that leads me to my next point. They suck versus play action. They're the fifth worst defense per EP per play versus play action. One oh, of the yeah. things, you know, a lot of podcasts like to talk about, like David Long and the Titans, other linebacker, like they're very good at fitting the run, but that also leaves them susceptible to mm-hmm. biting too hard and leaving the middle of the field open versus play action. And that's where you know it's borne out in the data. You can see their fifth worst defense. Uh, versus play action, allow pretty much a 0.27, 0.28 EPA drop back versus play action. Mm -hmm. And again, you don't need to really like try to establish the run for play action to work. We see we've seen play action work versus the Dolphins when they couldn't stop the run versus the Niners. And I think this will have to be a similar game plan where you're running play action at least 30%, 35% of your offensive dropbacks, right? And I think if you can do that, get Herbert on the move, kind of you know, try to. Um limit some of the impact that Jeffrey Simmons will have on the game. I think that will benefit the chargers in this game,
1: yeah, great comment here from uh, denver Denver Henderson. He says that's the fuck around and find out. <laughs> uh, obviously, you know that's something that Justin Herbert has done so great this year is is attack defenses in play action. and uh, you know, we mm-hmm. saw that paid dividends last week against Miami. so um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I there's a lot of give and take in terms of running the football here, obviously for the chargers, but um, you know I would like to see them just from a balanced standpoint you know do it a little mm-hmm. bit more I'm not saying pass the ball you know 30 times a game but uh, I, I do think they just have to be a, a little bit more balanced especially in the red zone so um, this this game though it's it's such a good matchup for the this receiving core and what they do well mm-hmm. I mean yeah. the Titans corners without Christian Fulton they're all like under six feet tall none of them are great like press man corners so I, I kind of expect the Titans to play a little bit more zone this week, um, which I know Mike mm-hmm. Williams isn't like great at, but um, you know, Josh Palmer and, and Keenan Allen should just just be able to uh, do some great work over the middle of the field and uh, you know, give Mike Williams some jump balls and things like that. So uh I feel great about where the passing attack is this week, as long as they can, of course, uh find double find ways to double team Jeffrey Simmons.
3: Yeah, I mean, the Titans blitz at, what, the fourth or fifth lowest rate in the league? Granted, that could all change yeah. in one game, but, you know, I, pretty... I, I, think, I think getting your blockers back and not having to deal with such an intense front in terms of blitzing and rushing, I think that'll really help the Chargers this week. It's setting up to be a big week for the offense. Like, I, I do expect a lot of yards out of Mr. Justin Herbert. Uh, maybe not mm-hmm. against, maybe not rushing, but it's really setting up to be with both their strengths if they stick with play action, don't do dropbacks, which, God, I hope not. And if they roll with play action which the titans clearly as argent has shown they're not great at with the secondary that they have with as banged up as they are like i think the offense is really poised
2: yeah so they blitz 14 of the time they send the second lowest amount of pass mm-hmm. rushers on average so you're gonna get the same stuff i think you know they do stunt a lot they like to twist they like to get jeffrey simmons on some isolation match- matchups if possible so just because they don't like to throw out a lot of exotic looks and blitz a lot it doesn't mean uh, they don't mix up their fr- front mm. four looks. So, um, and also, last point about the scrap chargers one of the few teams that actually do well versus play action. Um, have an, they've actually done, they've actually have an average negative EPA for dropback versus play action, which is really good because obviously, like, that's the Titans' bread and butter. They're not really, really like a straight dropback team they do rely on play action to kind of get them going in the passing game. So a uh, good, um, good matchup advantages for the Chargers on both sides of the ball in play action, which I think will be it's weird to say like a play concept is going to be the X factor. But I think the Chargers could have success um, utilizing play action and also stopping play action in this game. And that's kind of all I had. I didn't really think anything else was too notable. Um, Or I guess this last thing, the Titans run defense does struggle when they when teams run outside the numbers. This is something I talked about with Alex on my last video for the Dolphins and the Chargers proceeded to run inside zone and halfback (laughs) dive. Christian Wilkins um, almost every play or a majority of their run snaps. So I would like to see them kind of try to run outside the tackles, especially if Trey Pipkins is back. But the problem with the Chargers Mm -hmm. is they are more of an inside zone team and uh, they actually have had success running the ball up the middle rather than outside, but again, I think sometimes you don't want to play to your strengths. I think you want to try to mm-hmm. attack your opponent's weaknesses, especially given that guys like Denico Autry are out and they're, they're going to be playing guys like Demarcus Walker um, on the outside, where I think the Chargers could take advantage of that.
1: Yeah, I uh, don't run halfback dives at Jeffrey Simmons. Do not, uh, do not do that, uh, as we've seen over the years. Um, all right, Arjun, great stuff, man. Appreciate that. Um, Obviously, you're welcome to stick around if you can, Uh, you know, do some, uh, we'll do some betting segments and picks in a second here. But uh, if you have to take off, you know, we understand as well. I'll stick around. All right. Sounds good. Okay. Let's, uh, let's get our uh, sheet up here. We'll do our uh, predictions for the Chargers game. And then we'll obviously have our our weekly picks. And then after that, we'll uh, stick around and do some questions here. So I
3: love that Alex gave himself a tie. I didn't get that last year, but you know what? (laughs) We'll give it to him. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: what tie was last year i don't even remember i think it was the giants again i think it actually might have been either the Giants or somebody it's always it somehow oh, oh yeah yes, i'm sure,
1: yes, I'm, sure yes. I'm sure i'm sure or the texans or something all right well uh let, let's kick it off with alex uh you know in, in terms of the we'll start with the or do you want to start with the picks or start with the charger score
3: um let's just start with the picks it's it's kind of let's hard to joke.
1: Okay, start of the picks. I think it is Alex's turn to go first this week, if I'm not mistaken. Is that right? Uh, yes? Eagles over okay. Bears. Not much
4: to talk about here.
1: <laughs> All right, so we'll, we'll go uh, Alex, me, and then Tyler. I think that's the order. Sure, that's fine. Okay, okay, I could have, so Eagles over Bears, I think is what I heard. Uh, yeah, he yep. did say Eagles over Bears, yep. Okay, I'm gonna. Is this the right line? The, the The Chiefs play the Texans, right? Um, that's what I'm. saying. Why can't I yeah. find this? Okay, so I'm going Chiefs over Texans. That's my. That's my favorite of the week.
3: Wow, you guys are shocker. Really? Yeah, <laughs> leaving me with all the good ones. Okay, let me see. What do we got here? Um, this is the first week I legitimately have not even prepared for this, so this will be fun. <laughs> uh, not that preparing has helped me either way, <laughs> but. Still, um. Oh God, man! There's so many bad matchups in here. Um. Let's go. Okay. Uh. Jeez. Ooh. Who do I pick trust? A, this pick week? a snow game today. There's so much crap on here. What am I supposed to do with like Lions <laughs> and like Jets, Steelers, Panthers? I guess Cowboys, Jags. But then I want to pick <laughs> Jags as my upset. So, um. Okay. I'll go Bengals over Bucks. I feel like that's doable and then for my underdog I will go with the Jaguars over the Cowboys that's which one. is kind of meh but yeah go for it all right cool I did it I made
1: it <laughs> you made it um yeah the the underdogs this week are are interesting um mm-hmm. You know, that somebody probably could end up taking the Giants over the Commanders, you know, four and a half. That feels like a bit much for me for a team led by oh, wow. Taylor Heineke. Um, you know, I'm going to I'm going to ride the wave, though. Uh, I'm going to take the Lions over the, the Jets as my uh, underdog of the week. It's uh, Jared Goff doesn't traditionally do well in uh, in cold weather, but, you know, it is what it is. I'm going to take the the smart coaching of the Lions and, and that offense over uh Zach Wilson playing quarterback so I see the line is plus one I don't know if it's changed for anybody else but uh right now I see Lions plus one so I'm going with it
4: I see the same line yeah you're
1: good all right Alex okay. you're okay
4: um I'm gonna go with uh Desmond Desmond Ritter and the Falcons over the
1: Saints yeah I thought about doing that one too I uh I'm excited to see what Ritter can do with the with the Arthur Smith's uh, run game and see what that looks like going forward. Um, all right, Alex, you get the either-or uh, pick as well there.
4: Okay. Um, yeah, there's not a lot of good stuff left. I'll take uh, Bills over Dolphins in the Snow Bowl since that hasn't been taken <laughs> off the board. <laughs>
1: Probably the right decision there.
4: Yeah.
3: It's amazing oh. how fast the narratives have turned on Tua in the span of
1: about four days. I know, right? It's all like sudden. people are finally realizing like who he, like before two weeks ago, right? It was like, he's an MVP candidate. He's so good. He's doing all better than the things. homes. Yeah. yeah. And now people are like, oh, well, he doesn't really read defenses super well. He's more of just like a <laughs> trigger and shoot guy. It's like, no shit. That's who he's been his whole career. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Her- I'm just so proud of Herbert for literally taking the narrative
1: and flipping it immediately. Yeah. Love it. Right. Uh Steven, you're second, right? Yes. Me? I'm yeah, trying it. to decide who I want to go with. Uh this is gonna be an emotional pick. Probably gonna backfire. I'm going with Tyler Huntley and the Ravens, uh over the Browns and the Predator uh tomorrow or today, uh <laughs> later on. So uh hopefully Snoop doesn't let me down.
4: Is it confirmed that Huntley's in?
1: Yeah. Yeah, he cleared concussion protocol. Um, he said on like Tuesday that he didn't even feel like he even had a concussion, that it was just kind of the the protocol was being a little cautious. So, uh, you know, hopefully we get some snoop magic today.
3: Okay, uh, I've now come around to understanding why Arjun believes that the Vikings are complete frauds. Uh, I didn't really believe him on that first couple weeks ago, but I get it. But it's still the Colts. Um, i'm I'm surprised that Minnesota's only three and a half point favorites. Dude, three and a half over oh over the Colts with Jeff Saturday's Colts. So I'm gonna take the the Vikings over the Colts, but for some reason that feels like a complete letdown game,
1: but you know, <laughs> all good all right. Can't go uh, Arjun, Saturday, you, on a Saturday yeah. It's, people are making a big deal about uh, Jeff Saturday being the first NFL coach to coach on a day with his last name. I'm like. That's where we're at, <laughs> um, Arjun. Do you have some favorite bets of the week that you want to bring up here?
2: Yeah, um, so I, I can get, I'll give out something for today and then also tomorrow. So uh, today I have I do have a decent amount of bets going, but my favorite ones um, J.K. Dobbins' longest rush. <laughs> Tyler, <Neither. laughs> <laughs> that's a summer thing, Tyler. Uh, but J.K. J. Dobbins' longest rush over thirteen and a half yards. Um, I like Devin Singletary over one and a half receptions. So those are my favorite prop bets. I don't really have a good lean on any sides today or any like teams. But for tomorrow, I like the Bengals minus three and a half. Shocker, Uh, coming around. (laughs) Like, look, the Bucks don't do anything well. They're so on either side of the ball, and the Bengals are hot right now. So. Um, I am backing Joey B. Um, and then I also got a ride with the lions. They're, they're going to restore it in New York. I think that could, that could be buying them at their high, but if, if you're giving me a chance to fade Zach Wilson, I, will take <laughs> um, so those are my, those are my favorite bets of the week. There we go. Nice. Nice.
3: Nice. Um, why is Singletary at one and a half receptions a thing? Why isn't it just one?
2: Well, because if it's one and he lands on one, then no one makes money. So it's like with prop bets, it's usually at like a 0.5 number. So no one like either win or lose. But I I felt good about it last night. I still feel okay about it. Um, But obviously the snow is a big factor. But that that also plays into Allen taking more checkdowns. And last time Mm -hmm. the Bills and the Dolphins played Singletary had like seven catches and James Cook had like four catches. So. There's going to be a lot of checkdowns. We saw Eckler kind of like be the the guy versus the blitz last week, um, and I think the the Bills try to replicate that with kind of how bad their offensive line has been playing as well. So,
1: favorite bets right there. Yeah. Gamble responsibly.
3: <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah,
1: absolutely. All right, we'll uh, we'll get to our Charger score predictions here, and then uh, we'll take some questions for about ten minutes. So, uh, if you guys have some questions, feel free to uh, fire them up. All right, Alex, we'll go back to you here for your uh, Chargers score prediction and just kind of your uh, your thought process of how you feel about the game, uh, you know, obviously being uh, tomorrow. Uh, I
4: actually have a Chargers pretty big win here. I'll say Chargers 30, Titans 17. Um, I think the Titans just don't do anything well on offense. I get that scared of Derek Henry and will be scared as long as the Chargers run defense is the Chargers run defense. Um, But I just feel pretty good about this matchup and the fact that the Chargers defensive line kind of got cooking week in addition to the Chargers offense, Uh, you know, finally kind of putting a complete game together, even though they do struggle in the red zone. I think they'll be able to take care of the secondary pretty well. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's just that the Titans don't really have any playmakers outside of Derrick Henry. And that's certainly shown in the last couple of weeks.
1: Yeah, I, I, I'm not going to go with the uh, a similar kind of score output, but I do feel, you know, relatively the same about this game. Mm-hmm. I mean, Derek Henry is a fantastic player. He's arguably the best running back in the league, but you know, the Titans offensive line isn't great. Like a lot of people have kind of said like, Oh, like this could be chargers Browns 2.0 from, from last year, not from this year, from, from last year, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Nick Chubb and, and Kareem Hunt going off, and that's going to be the same thing with Derrick Henry. And, Derek Henry could certainly go off, but, I mean, you're talking about that Browns team having arguably the best offensive line in the league, a great scheme. Um, They had some good playmakers on that team. Obviously, Baker Mayfield was still playing at a relatively high level at that point. The the Titans don't really have that. And so, um, you know, Arjun talked about, uh, you know, Nicholas petit Frere, and, you know, their their starting left tackle is Dennis Daly, uh, and he currently has the second-worst pass blocking efficiency rating in the league uh, among all qualified offensive tackles a full two points lower than foster sorrell to give you an <laughs> of, of where that player is at so um, and it's not just that he's giving pressures at a high rate he's giving up sacks at a very high rate as well so this could be you know we haven't seen a, a big khalil Mack game in terms of sacks recently he's come very close he's had three you know great Pressure outputs in a row. Morgan Fox has been really solid. We finally saw Kyle Noy get his first sack of the season last year. So when the Titans do pass, I think the, the Chargers have an opportunity to really get after Ryan Tannehill more than they've seen in the past. And then obviously we talked about the advantages in the from the Chargers passing game standpoint. So I am taking the Chargers to win and I do think they will hit 30 points. Uh, But I do think Derrick Henry does just enough, so I'm going 30 to 21 uh, as my prediction. Nice. The spread is currently, I believe, 47 points. I guess I should have
3: double checked on that. Yeah, you you hit all the points. I do think at this point, barring injuries happening in the middle of this game, which you know notes can definitely happen, uh, I'm going to say the Chargers win 34 to 24. So I, I just think I think the Titans maybe get like a late ish score um but otherwise like I I really do think that the Chargers hold this down not that I'm super confident in their defense I just feel like there's just not much that the Titans can do there's a singular thing that they can do for sure but I just I don't think that's enough to really get more than 24 points like I think the run defense for the Chargers could legitimately look bad but that will only net the, the Titans you know 21 24 points I just don't see them getting to you know 30 something points against the Chargers. Granted, the run defense isn't great. I just don't see how you can sustain that drive after drive. It's the right running back to do that. I just don't think that they can. Um, I think the Chargers also just do enough and can score enough on offense where the Titans are kind of being forced to be out of their usual game script. So, yeah, I do do think we're all pretty confident in the Chargers offense. I think that's also what we saw last week with how the Titans are on defense, that the Chargers are specifically good against something that the, the Titans are really not so great at. So, yeah, I think 34-24, I think this is kind of like the Giants game last year, but with just a slightly more competent quarterback situation and probably a better running back performance. Oh, Steven's, uh, I don't know, gone. So, uh, okay, well. (laughs) Oh, Arjun didn't get a a score prediction. Hold up here. Hold on. Arjun needs to get a score prediction. One second. Arjun, Chargers score (laughs) prediction.
2: Let's hear it. I feel like it's. Is it bad juju if I go with a win also, and then we're all predicting a win? Like it depends we were all on what y'all predicted before. Yeah, I. If Justin Herbert is like playing at this level, I, I it's tough to see the Chargers lose. So I I am gonna go with a win. Um, I'll, I'll go with like thirty to, to seventeen, also with Alex.
1: Wow. Okay. I uh surprised at all the optimism? i guess i'm not surprised but you know i, I felt better about this game than i did mm-hmm. the dolphins game heading into last week mm-hmm. um so it is uh you know hopefully it's a good spot so that there's a lot of still like pessimism pessimism about this game but i just like outside of derrick henry i just i don't know what the titans yeah. like are bringing to the table right now mm-hmm.
3: yeah i mean with, with burke's back you know it could have been closer with you know some of these other guys back sure but they're just they're just so short-handed, and I think the Chargers are just. I mean, they even showed last week, like maybe not as much on defense, but they were just at some point more talented, and that just that was enough to beat the Dolphins, even with poor offensive coaching. And now that I think you're getting better blocking and and hopefully a better coaching performance, because you go through this play action, you want to lean on that against a team that's clearly not good against it. I think everything's just going to gel. So I just. I, I get that you know people are saying that above thirty points or thirty or more points is a bit optimistic considering they haven't done that since I believe the t- Browns game. But I just feel like if you watched last week, and with the way that the, it was kind of fluky in the red zone anyway, then they couldn't you know score for various reasons. Yeah, I, I think they can hit over thirty. This I'm not going to be disappointed if they don't hit over thirty. You know, as long as they get you know twenty seven I think or so, I'd feel fine and they win. But I, I definitely think you can get to thirty something.
1: Yeah, I, I think if as long as the Chargers can get to, frankly, like twenty five, I feel good about their chances of winning this game. Like, I, I don't think they, I don't think the Titans have enough to make me think that this is going to be a game where the Chargers give up, you know, thirty four points on defense or something like that. Yeah, but you know, gotta gotta play the game. <laughs> yes, absolutely. All right, so uh, we'll take questions for about ten minutes here. Um, if so, if you guys haven't asked one uh feel free and and uh hit us up i think we did have a super chat earlier in the show that we didn't get to i don't know I'll if i can uh yeah Tyler, if you can find it that'd be great um and as always if you guys watching are uh you know feel obliged to have a, a super chat in here that'd be fantastic um all right i shared 74 i'm gonna assume that's how you say that early in early in the show i don't know if he's still in here but i appreciate the super chat nonetheless Uh, He says, looking back at it now, would you have considered D. Adams over M. Dub? Obviously, Devontae Adams over Mike Williams, and how do you think that affects the current win-loss, if at all? So, um, obviously, recapping a little bit here, um, Devontae Adams was under contract with the Packers, um, heading or no, I'm sorry, he was a free agent. That's my bad. Um, But basically, my understanding of his situation was that it was an extension in Green Bay. Or a trade to Vegas and an extension in Vegas, but um, anybody else have any thoughts here? Feel free and uh, chime in. I mean, in the hypothetical that let's say Devontae Adams, like that was a
3: possibility to the Chargers. Um, I think obviously you want the the receiver that's very good and healthy um, this entire year over the receiver that maybe hasn't been, but like, sure. I, I don't. Yeah, I mean, if Adams were healthy, of course they would have won more games. Um, if Mike Williams were not healthy and Adams were healthy and they had the same production, sure, of course they win more games. You probably are already at double-digit wins this year. But, um, yeah, I, w- I would have taken Devontae Adams over over Mike Williams, unless you're, unless you're telling me that I also had to trade for him, which then maybe not. So sure I don't want to have. Right, so I don't want to see this offense without Zion. I don't know who would have been playing right guard. I guess Jamari, but then who would be playing left tackle? I don't want to
1: see Storm Norton and Foster Cirell out there. Yeah, it's just the resources there for me. Um, All right, we'll get to the next question here. Uh, Obviously, a lot of talk about uh, playoff paths for the Chargers. Um, Alex, do you want to kind of take this one since you were talking about tiebreakers and things like that earlier this morning?
4: Yeah, so I did fiddle around with this. So if you look at the machine, you kind of have the Pats, Jets, and Dolphins all in there um, as teams, you know, with their outcomes. So if I believe
3: Okay, I think we lost. Yeah, we lost that. All right, just me and you, Stephen. <laughs> and I I just messaged the chat that I have to leave in a couple minutes. All right. Um, so we're just we're bringing we'll it on down here as
1: long as we can. Yeah, which for me is about two more minutes. All right, sounds good. Um so as Hugo points out, so uh Pats Jets, Dolphins lose. Those are that's currently the betting lines in terms of uh each of their specific matchups. Um, at that point the chargers would be to succeed in the playoffs if assuming they beat the titans mm-hmm. um, so the chargers do control their destiny as long as they they get to 10 wins they are essentially in the playoffs so yeah um, you have you have to go three and one and obviously you're you're you are kind of banking on some of the afc, AFC east teams uh, beating up on each other i think the only scenario where the chargers are not in at 10 and one is like the jets and uh dolphins tie each other and then like the patriots yeah. and dolphins tie each other so um as long as the chargers get the 10 wins they're in at that point it just kind of becomes about a seeding aspect and if they can get the sixth seed as opposed to the seven seed i think that's huge mm-hmm. um because i mean depending on how you feel about those matchups because if you're the sixth seed then you're talking about playing at baltimore or at cincinnati as opposed mm-hmm. to playing at Kansas City uh, to open the wildcard round, or potentially at Buffalo, depending on how that shakes out. Yeah, it's
3: not that they win this tomorrow and they're in, but it really feels like, even though I do believe the Denver game is their most difficult game on the schedule, even with the Titans upcoming, I just feel like if they win tomorrow, like they, you're looking pretty good. I mean, with all these injuries, and even without them, like the Chargers just needed to get into the postseason, And then it's just Justin Herbert, let it rip. And, you know, the defenses can be opportunistic and hopefully get a couple takeaways. I don't expect them to be great in the postseason, but hopefully they can do enough. And maybe they are gelling. Um, But I I just feel like you win this game tomorrow, even though the Denver game is their most difficult and one I'm still very worried about, regardless of who's on the field for Denver, um, it really does feel like if they handle their business tomorrow, which it looks like they will and they should, Playoff football is uh, pretty good. We might survive and have another a uh, fun game to talk about in January for once in a for in, in some time. Yeah, first
1: time since twenty eighteen would <laughs> be nice. Um, yeah, so the the Chargers obviously have to to take care of their business, but uh, should be relatively safe from here on out. Um, Nathan, Reeves, you think we see a third quarter <laughs> touchdown tomorrow? I sure to God hope so. But this this does feel like the matchup where yeah. the Chargers should be able to get over that hump.
3: I believe so. The other thing about the the third quarter issues you you talk about in the red zone, how there always seems to be a penalty. There always seems to be something that f's up at the beginning of the third quarter, whether it is a holding penalty or Matt Filer blocking the back, or Gerald Everett drops a, a wide open pass against the Falcons, or you know yeah. whatever it is. It always just feels like there's something in the third quarter. So, um, I do believe so. I also think it is potentially possible that they're in a position where they are kind of in a very positive game script where it's just kind of run the football, play balanced offense. Maybe you don't see like an aggressive, you know, attacking sort of offense by the time the third quarter rolls around. Um, Cause I do think they'll put up points pretty early, but um, yeah, I hope so. And it's not like the third quarter, not that the third quarter doesn't matter, but it's kind of like, just like, it's the third quarter. It's like, Oh, is you know, phase three of the MCU better than phase two like it's just phases like (laughs) it means something but it doesn't actually mean something like yeah they don't score in the third quarter but like I guess if you do in the fourth quarter the second and first quarter you're okay but yes it would be nice to see them score in the third quarter um and more than once it'd be cool
1: yeah um a couple people mentioning your comment about the Broncos game the Broncos could could be complete trash Oh yeah, I would still be worried about playing in Denver. I don't know Mm -hmm. what it is about that place for the Chargers, but Mm -hmm. they just always struggle in that situation. You know, mile high. It must be, you know, maybe some kind of ghost around there or something. I don't know. No, it's so weird. And again, like we we said this every year
3: since we've been doing the show, they have not won a meaningful game in Denver since 2013. The one game where the Broncos weren't, and maybe that is the situation at the end of the year. But the game where the Chargers already had their seating locked up and the Broncos were already out. Like they they were resting starters by the end of the half. Um, they haven't won a meaningful game since 2013, and I, I'm really curious to see where both teams are at by the time we get to that point. a very banged up team beat a banged up Broncos team last time, but barely. It took overtime um, at home, and I, I really think again, like you said, regardless of who's out there, there's just something about it. I mean, Justin Herbert had a great performance against the Broncos, I believe, in 2020. Um great, great performance at Denver and they still couldn't win. Like we've seen great defensive performances and they couldn't win. You see yeah. great offensive performances and they couldn't win for whatever reason. Like the team just there's something that happens. You know, Casey Hayward gets that defensive pass interference or whatever, and they score a touchdown or they kick a field goal. Like, there's always just something that happens at Denver. So if they could break that curse this, this year, that would be fantastic.
1: They won it in Denver in 2018, didn't they? Or was that a yeah. split?
3: So the the game in twenty eighteen they won, but that was the one where the Chargers like were playing backups by the time the second half rolled around. Like there was no reason to have to gotcha. play, gotcha. like they could have just done nothing that game, tied, and still had I think the same seed. Although I think that was reliant on maybe another AFC team winning,
1: but still like they, it was they were playing backups by the time the halftime rolled around. Gotcha. All right, right, well, we'll wrap it up here because I know you you have to leave here. One more question from NFL's lit. Uh, who needs to show up on defense in order for this team to make another statement? Obviously, he had a great performance against the Dolphins. Mm-hmm. Who in European needs to show up again this week and uh, make sure that this defense has two good weeks in a row? Yeah, Nasir Adderley or Alohi
3: Gilman. Um, I-, I guess Alohi Gilman, I think, did show up last week and has kind of shown up. So I do think that it applies more to Nasir Adderley, who is going to be you know a starter out there for them. He has to, um, especially if the Chargers are trying to stack the box or whatever. Maybe that's bringing a low closer or whatever. He's the last line of defense and he hasn't been good at it pretty much all year. And now you're facing Derek Henry who that must suck. So, you know, he <laughs> doesn't, doesn't have to be, you know, fantastic, but you just can't give up those huge
1: runs when you're playing, you know, cover one or something. Yeah. I am going to go with the linebackers in the same kind of vein. I mean, obviously yeah, I thought drew tranquil played a fantastic game against the dolphins, but it was very different from what he's going to be asked to do this week. Obviously last week was a lot of, you know, coverage and disguising, and, and he, we didn't really, like, feel his impact in terms of the stat sheet, but we, like, watching the film back, you know that they don't win that game without what Drew Tranquil is able to do as a cover linebacker. This week, they're just going to have to be on top of it, and, and, you know, again, a lot of people picture the Titans as, like, this inside power running scheme. They, they do more outside zone than almost anybody in the league outside of San Francisco and the Rams. And, um, and I think the, them and the Browns are like right next to each other in terms of plays run in terms of outside zone. So, um, this has to be a good game for Drew Tranquil and Kenneth Murray. They have to be able to be on their P's and Q's have mm-hmm. to be able to trigger downhill and get Derek Henry to the ground.
5: Mm-hmm. I think
1: they're going to have some opportunities to get some tackles for loss and they have to be able to do that. So, yeah. um, you know, it's, it's on them to make sure that Elohi and Nasir Adley are not necessarily super needed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I do think this is a a very crucial game for the linebacker duo of Kenneth Murray and Drew Tranquil.
3: Yeah, I would agree, and I think this is, could be a very narrative shifting game potentially for Kenneth Murray. I know he graded out really well last week. I don't know if like I consider him the second best player on the field for the Chargers last week, like PFF did, but <laughs> like this no. could be a very narrative changing, shifting game for him. Where I mean, listen, you you don't only have one job but you kind of only have one job this week. And obviously it's more complicated than that, but you really do only have one job this week. And if, you know, he makes some plays, he gets the tackles in, he wraps up well. And I think that'd be a very nice thing for
1: us as Chargers fans to see with Kenneth Murray, who's been a bit inconsistent. Yeah, absolutely. So, all right, that's going to do it for us. Uh, Thanks to Arjun for uh, joining us today. Appreciate Tyler sticking around for a little bit longer. Um, thank you guys for, uh, tuning in to the chat today. If you're listening to the audio version of this, please leave a rating or review. We always appreciate that. We'll be live. Uh, we're going to nail down our plans here for tomorrow, uh, in a bit here, but we will go live at some point tomorrow evening after the game is over. So we'll let you guys know there. And as always bolt up.
5: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why, what do we know about magnesium?